Well, how are we all doing? Two weeks to Easter. Is that right? Two weeks to Easter. This feels like it has been a long term with COVID interruptions and the rain, the incessant rain, and uh, you know, so much going on around the world that's so troubling. So let's just get to Easter. Let's get to Easter. And just remember that Jesus is on the throne. Alright, well we have come in our series today and we're looking at what did Jesus teach? What did Jesus teach? And we want to become disciples, uh, we want to have our lives transformed by the gospel, but we actually need to know what he taught. So we come today uh, in this kind of series mainly on the Sermon on the Mount to the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it comes in this section, we started it last week, chapter 6. Uh, it's often titled on hidden righteousness. So Jesus talks about generosity, he talks about prayer, and he talks about fasting. <coughs> and Jesus says, ooh, went down the wrong way. I'm on fire tonight. <laughs> Too much stump burning. Yeah, yeah I'm mainly just smoked out at this stage. <laughs> <coughs> My wife's had red eyes. Walk coming to church. It's like I've been doing something else. Jesus says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. So Jesus warns us don't be like the religious hypocrites who practice the spiritual disciplines in order to receive the adulation of the people. Jesus says they will receive no reward from their Heavenly Father because they've received their reward in full. Right? What they really wanted was the crowd's adulation for how spiritual they were and how godly they were. And Jesus says, you've got that. But don't expect anything more from your Heavenly Father. So as we said last week, in chapter 6, Jesus tells us, hide what we attempted to show Hide what we're tempted to show. So we come to the Lord's Prayer tonight. Uh, Matthew 6, verses 9 to 13. Uh, Jesus says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then some later manuscripts added on at the end. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I wonder, I don't, this could be just me. Do you ever find yourself singing a song on the radio, something familiar, where the words are second nature, but you don't really know what you're singing anymore? Uh, you're at a party maybe and you're a bloke and you just start building out, it's rain and men. <laughs> or you're on the dance floor and you start singing, you know, girls just want to have fun. <laughs> uh, I got in trouble once for posting a video on Facebook of me dancing to, you know, that 50 cent song, it's your birthday, it's your birthday. And um, apparently what I didn't know is that it has some very questionable lyrics which I was unfamiliar with, not having been big into the East Coast rap scene in the early 2000s. All I knew was the bit that went, it's your birthday, it's your birthday. 
What ends up happening, it's, it's familiarity means that we don't really consider what we're singing. And I think the same can happen, can it not, with the Lord's Prayer. What should be something that is the anthem for the revolutionary coming of the kingdom of heaven has instead been over-familiarized into meaninglessness. Uh, I went to a high school, all-boys school. We used to have chapel every week. And one of the things we used to do at chapel is we would say the Lord's Prayer. And I can absolutely assure you that not one of us were praying it, let alone considering the meaning of it, or what it was that Jesus was asking us to pray. It was just routine. It had become dull and boring. And yet here we have this prayer with explosive petitions. So I'd love us today to reconsider the vitality, the audacity of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray. And of course, I don't want to just teach on it. I want to encourage us to get into the habit of praying the Lord's Prayer on a regular basis. Uh, let this prayer bubble up in your daily rhythms of connecting with God. Because I think what happens is as we pray this prayer regularly, it shapes us and we begin to become co-conspirators in the coming kingdom of heaven. So Jesus teaches his disciples, this is the anthem of the revolution. Keep this simple prayer at the heart of your faith. So, with a reminder from last week, Jesus is not interested in public displays of piety, of your spirituality, done for the approval of others. Uh, by the way, here's the great line when it comes to prayer. Matthew 6, 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Matthew 6, 7. When you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Instead, says Jesus, in your private space, with simple but profound words, this then is how you should pray. So firstly, what's the structure and the content of this prayer? Well, Jesus teaches us to pray to our Father in heaven. Uh, this is the God whom Jesus knows and trusts. He is the God who is close at hand and involved in the lives of his children. Um, through Jesus, the Apostle John <clears throat> came to know this Father as well. And so the Apostle John will say later on, uh, Behold how great the love the Father has for us, that we should be called the children of God. Right, Paul, who met Jesus on the Damascus Road and then experienced the love of God, and God became Father for him, he said, when you receive the Spirit that brings about your adoption to sonship, you cry, Abba, Father. Right? He says, the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. Right? That's who we're praying to. Due to God's love, due to being filled with the Spirit, due to knowing in the deepest places that you are an accepted, loved child of God. You can now pray to your Heavenly Father like this. And of course, if that's not the case, then praying, I think, is a futile activity. But if it is the case, then I think this is some of the most important work we will do with our lives. So six petitions, two halves to the prayer. First three are addressing God. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
Your will be done. Your, your, your. And then three petitions that concern our needs. You know, Jesus, who was fully human, fully God, he, he's human enough to know that when it comes to prayer, these are the things that we need to be praying for. A daily trust for our daily bread. Uh, right relationship. So, so forgive us our sins, God, but then help us also to forgive those around us. And lead us not into temptation. Help us not to get swept up in the enemy's work that would distract us. So your, 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 and then us, us, us. And, you know, so much of Jesus' teaching is like this, right? It's about the vertical relationship to God and then the horizontal relationship we have with each other. You know, when someone says, what Jesus, what's the greatest command? Jesus says, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? So this is what Jesus is always interested in. This relationship that we have with him and then this relationship that we have with others. And that's where righteousness is going to get displayed, right? Now, right relatedness with those around us. So that's what we need in order for the kingdom of God to come. We need to trust God for our daily needs, our daily bread. We've got to keep on forgiving others. And we need to avoid temptation, giving in to the evil one. So we want to be praying this. You know, I remember when I lived overseas, one of the things, whenever I'd, I'd go away, I would just walk the streets just praying the Lord's Prayer. Just simple, simple prayers. I'd walk into an old church, just pray the Lord's Prayer. Come to a mealtime, just pray the Lord's Prayer. We get into the rhythm of the prayer that Jesus has given to us to connect us with our Heavenly Father. All right, second bit, what's the centre of the prayer? I want to suggest that it is this phrase, on earth, as it is in heaven. Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth, as it is in heaven. Uh, I actually think that one line captures the entire mission of what Jesus came to do. Did not Jesus come to heaven earth, to bring heaven down to earth? Imagine all of us as a church, all of Jesus' followers, all the way, all across the world, all praying at the same time, going about our daily activities, going about our daily decisions. Should we do this or should we do that? Should we do the right thing? Should we do the wrong thing? And we're just going about this, kind of just praying, 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 Lord on earth as it is in heaven. In fact, I think that's the, that, that little phrase is probably the, the centre of the entire Sermon on the Mount. Think about that. Once heard someone say, in Jesus, God is getting the hell out of earth. Do you like that? You've got to think about it for a second, don't you, right? In Jesus, God is getting the hell out of earth. Would you agree? God is getting the hell out of earth. Jesus' mission is to bring heaven to earth, to get hell out of the earth. When Jesus heals the sick, is this not what is happening? When Jesus casts out an evil spirit from someone, is this not what is happening? When Jesus forgives someone's sins, is this not what is happening? When Jesus invites us to pray, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is he not inviting us to participate in his mission and what he just goes about doing? So when we pray this prayer, when we forgive our enemies, for instance, is not heaven invading earth? When we give care to the lonely or hurting, is not heaven invading earth? Right? We're generous. When we're hospitable. 
when we open our homes, give to the needy, when we choose to act ethically, when we choose to speak truth rather than lies, when you stop lusting, when you deal with your anger, when you choose love instead of revenge, right? All the stuff that's in the Sermon on the Mount, is that not heaven invading earth? You know, revolution's a loaded term. Particularly the last hundred years of bloody revolutions that have come and gone. But be under no illusions, Jesus is bringing about a massive revolution. And if you call on his name and you join the church and you get into one of these communities, then you are joining the revolution that is the coming of the kingdom of heaven. It's peaceful. It's humanity renewing. It's cosmic in its scope. It's reordering of humanity. But it is a revolution. Right? Just before the Sermon on the Mount starts, it says in Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus went around preaching the good news of the kingdom of heaven. Healing the sick, casting out evil. This is the revolution that Jesus has come to bring. You know, he's going about declaring this radical intervention. The Jews of the day thought it would happen at the end of time and all the enemies would be defeated. But Jesus says it's breaking into history in the middle of time. To give space, to give room for the whole world to come citizens of this kingdom. On earth, as it is in heaven. You know, we've got to be clear about the good news of the kingdom. Uh, We've got to be clear about what the good news of the gospel is. Um, You know, I think for too many of us, this is kind of our view, right? You've got heaven, that's God's space. And then you've got earth, and that's our space. And remember what Jesus came to do. Jesus came from heaven to earth to rescue us so that we could then go to heaven, right? We kind of grew up thinking that's the Christian message. The only problem, of course, with that is, well, it's the, the problem with that's the Bible. <laughs> right? You know, the book of Genesis at the beginning, heaven is overlapping with earth, right? But then because of humanity's rebellion, we're kind of cast out of the garden of Eden where, where God dwelt with man. And then really the whole story of the Old Testament is about God choosing a people who he would begin to bless the earth again with. And then what does Jesus come to do? I'll just ignore that heaven bit. But Jesus comes from heaven and earth, kind of this overlapping thing, right? He says the kingdom of heaven has come. The good news is here now. And so the kingdom of heaven is pushing into earth. Right? Every time someone becomes a Christian, heaven's invaded earth. Every time someone gets healed, heaven's invaded earth. Every time someone gets delivered from evil or an addiction, whatever's broken within them, heaven is invading earth. You know, when where's it all finished? In the book of Revelation. What does it say? It says God's dwelling has come to be with man. Heaven fully comes over earth. You know, we're not going to heaven. Heaven's coming to us. Right? If you think you're going to be floating on a cloud as a spirit, read your Bibles. Right? That's the picture. So Jesus, so does that make sense now when Jesus says, pray this? 
Your kingdom come. Heaven, your kingdom come into earth. Your will be done. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. And it's good to be clear about what we believe, right? But now we start praying it. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Has the kingdom come? Yes. You know, in Jesus, it came. And in church history, there's been lots of awful stuff. But I can assure you, there's been a whole lot of good stuff. When Christians have gone throughout the world, starting schools and hospitals and preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing people. Is every inch of this world under the authority of heaven? No. Look at the world we live in. Has the kingdom come in your life? Yes, absolutely. You know, you've been filled with the Spirit of God. You've been adopted as a son or a daughter of the living God. You've begun sanctification and transformation and your character's getting changed. Has the, has the kingdom of heaven fully come in your life? No, look at you guys. You're a mess. <laughs> so Jesus teaches us to pray. Jesus says, pray this prayer because that's the most effective way to join the revolution. For heaven to invade earth, for God to get the hell out of earth. So what we're praying is more and more of the kingdom to come, to take over this earth and to take over my life. So he says, pray like this every day in every decision, in everything you're faced, in every scenario. Faced with maybe you want to cheat on your spouse. Well, is that what it would look like if heaven had fully taken over your life? No, so you wouldn't do it. Maybe you're faced with an unethical decision or hoarding your money or taking on the world's values. And we just pray like, you know, that's the earthy bit of me. That's the fleshy bit of me. Lord, may it be done on earth. May it be done in my life. Like it is in heaven. Alright, final thing. Final thing this evening. How do we pray this? Well, clearly from this section in Matthew 6, it's not to be done for show for the approval of others, but it's to be done regularly in your life, in your private spaces, and with simple words. Jesus hates religious hypocrites, right? We've all got a bit of a religious hypocrite within us. So we've got to like crucify that, right? We've got to stop putting on the show for the world to see and just go into your quiet space and pray simply and connect with your Father in heaven. Now one final surprise for us today with this prayer. And it's a bit of an English lesson, so anyhow, work with me. It relates to the verbs in the prayer and the tense in which Jesus asks us to pray to our Father in heaven. Be hallowed, come your kingdom, be done your will. Bold verbs. Now the way that Greek sentences are structured has the verbs, the doing words, before at the start of the sentence, right? Why is that important? Because it, it, it's be hallowed. It's come, your kingdom. It's be done, your will. You know, the verb's in the imperative mood. Uh, and what that suggests is that this is a command. Jesus is teaching us to pray to our Heavenly Father with commands. Right? Now, in the ancient world, the imperative would never have been used to address a superior. You wouldn't go to the Roman governor of the region and told him just what you as a little peasant wanted him to do. 
So surprise, surprise, surprise. We're addressing a superior, the ultimate one, our Father in heaven, and we are told to use the imperative. We are not just to ask, but we are to command. I don't know about you, but I feel a bit uncomfortable all of a sudden. Be, come, be, do it, do it, do it. How does it make you feel? But remember who teaches us to pray this prayer. Jesus, Son of God, Son of Mary. And the Father wants His children to pray boldly. So the prayer is, Father, you do it. Father, you do it. You bring your kingdom into this brokenness, into this mess. We command you do it, Lord. You make your will be done on earth. Far out. Now it should be liberating. Because yes, we're going to participate. And yes, we're going to allow this prayer to shape what we believe and who we are. But ultimately, we get to relax a bit too. Because it's God who will bring about his kingdom. You know, when you pray for someone to be healed, like, take the pressure off. You're not doing anything. It is God who will heal. Right? If you share the gospel with someone, take the pressure off. It is God who will move in that person's life to bring them to faith. And so we pray into the broken relationships, into the desires for war, for revenge, into our daily needs for provision, forgiveness, deliverance. Father, get the hell out of earth. <laughs> so I don't quite feel comfortable saying that. <laughs> and may it be done on earth as it is in heaven. Sounds good? You ready to pray this way? Let's stand. Let's worship.